So as I said, today's going to be a little different. It's been different already, but different is good. Different, especially this season. But I want to, you know, we've been focusing on just this upper room reality, waiting on God. Uh, we had an amazing time Friday night here for all church prayer. I know a bunch of you were there. If not, I want to encourage you to get involved. Every second Friday, we're doing prayer. And then in the opposite weeks, we're doing a Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., so we had over 50 people here last time we did Wednesday morning. We got another Wednesday morning this week. It's an opportunity to come and pray. But I want to tell you guys a story of something. I was asked the Lord what to share about today, and he brought me back to something. If some of you have heard me preach over the years, you will have heard this story before, but something that really marked me regarding having a heart for the presence of God and having a heart for prayer. Um, it had to be maybe 20 years ago now, probably around 20 years, about 20 years ago, and I had a mentor invite me to, uh, to this meeting. Uh, how many remember C. Peter Wagner? Peter Wagner? How many remember? He was a, uh, a theologian and author, prolific author, and very strong influencer in the body of Christ, especially in the area of prayer and spiritual warfare and the prophetic and apostolic. And he was really a very, very, very unique man that God really used. And so he'd organized this meeting called the International Coalition of Apostles. And uh, I mean, I'm 24, 25. I'm not an apostle at all. But I had a mentor who was, he said, you know, I believe in you. I believe God's called you some of this stuff. I want you to come with the meeting with me. And how many of you have ever ended up in a place that God got you into and you're sitting there going, how in the world did I get in here? Anybody happened? I mean, it happens to Pastor Sharon and I invariably. We look at each other. We're like, how did we end up here? Like, not in a bad way, but like, you know, you almost have imposter syndrome. You're like, what am I doing here? Uh, so this was that kind of meeting. I remember it was 20 years ago. So it was uh, you know, no e-books, right? You know, I love my e-books now. Pastor Sharon still likes her paper copy books, and she likes writing them and stuff. I like my, my tablet where it just keeps things really efficient. But they had the book table. Literally, the book table uh, probably at this meeting would have gone, like, from here to the back of the room. Like, that's how long the book table was. Just tons of book. And... And it was, it was this incredible, I mean, probably three to 400 people there, but I remember Peter Wagner talking about, and he said, yeah, he said, one of the unique things about this meeting is he said that 70% of the books back on the book table, the authors are actually here in the meeting. Like he was the kind of man that he drew, so he would say, oh, look, it's Dutch Sheets. Oh, look, it's Cindy Jacobs. Oh, look, it's, I mean, just people that I grew up reading their books would be like sitting two seats down from me. Uh, you know, so it was like, and so, and then what they do, I mean, I found this fascinating. Some people probably find it a little boring, but the way the meetings went was they would have, it would be more panel discussions. So it wasn't preaching, but what he would do is say, okay, we're going to talk about this topic now. So he might talk about city transformation. And, and he'd say, so we're going to have five people. And he, like literally people came from all over the world to this thing. So so-and-so from this country, so-and-so from this country, so-and-so from this country. And they're, they're key leaders in their nation in this, and they're going to talk. And you had 10 minutes to talk. As if you know, you get a bunch of preachers and leaders together, trying to keep people short-winded can be challenging. And, uh, and, but see, Peter, if anyone could pull it off, see Peter Wagner, because he had everybody's respect in the room, and he'd have his little bell. And so when you hit 10 minutes, he'd just ring, 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 and you had to stop no matter what. And if you didn't stop, he'd just step right in and shut you down. But he's Peter Wagner, so he could do that, whatever he wants to do. So we go through all these amazing sessions, and I remember, I don't remember what day it was. It was like a several-day meeting, but he said, okay, now we're going to have a session to hear from uh, younger generation leaders. So I pulled a bunch of different apostles and apostolic leaders from different nations who are under 35. 
Now at that time I was 24, 25, so that still seemed kind of old to me, 35. Now it seems really young, <laughs> right? I think, oh man, you know, I look back on it. But I remember he had all these leaders get up to share. And, and so they started sharing and talking, you know, they're, they're 10 minutes and just talking about what God's doing and, you know, the younger generation, what they're seeing happening. And, and you know, it was interesting watching because, you know, in North America, especially Western thing, we have this picture of kind of what a great leader is like. And, and usually, and especially I'll say, especially from a male perspective, because sometimes my, I'll say some of us like, well, that's for you guys, us ladies, we don't think that way. But, you know, there's a certain idea of you're kind of loud and bold and you kind of have this big personality that fills the room. There's this charisma. And so these guys were sharing it. They were really good. Don't get me wrong. It's really good stuff. It was really, it was, it was kind of in that, and I was really kind of impressed by these guys, you know, just as a young leader than myself. You get that. And then they came to this pastor and when they said his name, he, he seemed, it kind of seemed familiar. His name was Pastor Jackson Sianga, and he was from Uganda. And I suddenly realized, and they introduced, I realized where I knew him from. How many of you remember the transformation videos? <coughs> See, not too many. Seriously, so go Google transformation videos. It's like 25 years old. <coughs> kind of the music and editing will probably be a little choppy for you, but it was these videos that came out about 25 years ago. And uh, George, o or George Otis Jr., who's a minister and also a you know, documentarian and historian, he, he took cameras to different places in the globe where God was bringing transformations to cities and communities. And then they created these stories kind of of what God was doing. And they said they thought maybe a few thousand intercessors would see the videos and it would just be encouraging intercessors and prayers. Well, the thing went viral before you could go viral. I mean, these video everywhere, it just brought so much encouragement to the body of Christ of talking about these different committees. So I remembered Pastor Jackson because he was in the video. I mean, he was in the video because his church in Uganda had put an emphasis on prayer and they'd gone from seven members to 2,000 members in two weeks. Uh, at this point, the church is about 40,000 people yeah, at this day. But so I remembered him. So he had my attention. And it was interesting because he started to share and he started to talk. And, and it was like the presence of God entered the room in a totally different way. Now, I'm not saying this to knock the other guys who were sharing, but I did notice they kind of fit the mold of what I'd even made up. But Pastor, he wasn't like them. He wasn't loud. He wasn't kind of this big charisma. He just started to talk. But as he talked, it was like God's presence, just like something shifted. And anyone who could sense God knew it. I don't remember everything he said, but he was just talking about how God was moving through prayer and intercession, especially among the young people of their country. And he'd grown up through Idi Amin, and he talked about some of the things and the devastation that was in their country. But because young people were crying out to God, he just started talking about prayer. And he said this, I always remember, he said, you in North America, he said, you're good at programs. He said, we're not so good at programs, but we're good at prayer. And he was talking about just this heart for the presence of God. So I was totally, you know, as a young leader, I was totally just transfixed. I mean, it just caught my attention. So, so afterwards, I mean, I'm the kind of guy, it's like, I'm like, pray for me. Like, I remember, I remember one year when I first started youth pastoring, I took a whole busload of youth to conventions, like me and three other leaders. We didn't have ratios. I had no insurance. I don't even know if I got permission forms. I had no idea what I was doing. Anyone who knows youth work goes, oh my gosh. I mean, I learned later, I was like, what was I thinking? But we took all these young people. I remember 
I just always had this heart for God moving. So I remember that we're in there and a bunch of us are sitting there and, and it was interesting, the speaker was really like revival-oriented speaker. He said, the Holy Spirit's just starting to touch that section right now. And it's at Queens University in there. And he pointed to one section and God just started breaking out in this section. Like people started shaking, people started crying. It was just God was moving. And it was interesting because he just said, in that section, so that section. So I'm no dummy. I said, let's go to the section. <laughs> I was like, let's go. I told all the youth, I said, let's go to that section because I don't understand it all. I'm not trying to figure out the theology, but God seems to be moving there, so let's go. Right, I went to live in Colombia for like two weeks with friends. I didn't even know how to speak Spanish. I just kind of rolled around Colombia because there was a church God was moving. I wanted to learn. I always had that heart. So I, I tracked him down after he got off the stage. And I, I didn't know exactly what to say, so I just introduced myself. And I just said, how do I get what you have? And, and I asked him to pray for me. And he looked at me, he said, this is how you get what I have. Psalm 27, Psalm 63, Psalm 84. That's how you get what I have. That's what I've lived. And if you'll live that. And I can say, I don't even know how many years later, to this day, it still sticks with me. And, and if I'm honest, I, I always kind of look at it and go, man, I don't know if, have I done it as well as I could have? You know, I don't mean that in kind of like, it's just in honest way because the way I talk about it. So what I want to do today is I actually just want to read to you Psalm 27, Psalm 63, and Psalm 84. And I'm going to have a few thoughts to share, but I just want to let the Word speak to us in this because he was talking to me about how, because what I saw in him was I saw someone who carried the presence of God. I saw someone who carried something that was more than just charisma or talent or gifting. You know, I was saying in first service, you know, it's kind of like the biblical concept of being anointed. You know, we do like our anointing services and we get a little bottle and we kind of, and some of you like dodge because <laughs> you're like, I don't want all that grease on my forehead. So you kind of, here's some people in the line, they're like, just dodge so you miss. But you really would not like biblical anointing because what they do is they take all the oil and they just dump it and pour it all over you. But part of the reason they do that is it would just soak into you. The priests, it would soak into their robes. And there's this element, he, I, I, when he started to talk, I think someone who's soaked, he's carrying the presence of God. He's soaked in it. See, some of us don't carry very much because we never soak in it very much. But the more you soak in it, the more you carry it. It just gets into you. And, and so, let's just read Psalm 27. Psalm 27 says this, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise, rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I'll offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious and answer me. 
You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Now again, remember this is he's saying, this is, this is what you need to practice. Verse four, one thing I've asked the Lord that I'll seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and acquire his temple. First thought, what are, what are we asking for? What are you asking for? No, don't get me wrong. God's a good father and he loves when we ask him. You can never ask him too much. God, God, God doesn't have a lack. He doesn't have to ration what he wants to give you. Sometimes people are like, well, I just don't want to pray for much pastor because you know there's people in the world who have much more needs than me. God's got enough for them and for you. And maybe he wants to get some of it to them through you. If you just ask for it, then you could be a distribution center for what he wants to do. Right? But there's this attitude. What are we asking for? And there's lots of things. They're not bad to ask God for. There's many things. But what if there was one thing we'd ask for? Because David said there's one thing I'm asking for. And I realized so often, I'm not asking for what David was asking for. There's a lot of other things I'm asking for, but he said, this is one thing I asked for. This is what I seek. What are we seeking for? You know, you ever heard it's kind of become a catchphrase and it makes more sense with some of what folks, when people talk about seek his face, not just his hand. Right? His face, seeking his face, that's his presence. Instead, just what he gives you. But so often we just ask for what he gives to us. But David said, I'm not just asking for what you're giving me. What I'm asking for, what I'm seeking, is that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life. Now, what is he meaning by this? Dwell in your house. In the Old Testament context, the temple was the house of God where the presence of God was. Now we've become temples of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is everywhere. But in those days, that's where the presence was. So David is saying, this is the one thing I ask. This is the one thing I seek that I may dwell in your presence. I love this too where he says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, it's interesting. Part of the journey we're on right now, part of the season we're in, we're not saying this heart for seeking God, this heart for the presence of God. Sometimes we see it as, well, I don't really want to, but I guess I have to. I don't really want to, but I guess that's what I'm supposed to because I'm a Christian and Pastor Brennan's telling me I need to and other people are telling me I need to. No, here's the heart. The reason he wanted to be in the Lord's temple and in his presence all days because he said, I want to gaze on your beauty. We've been wired to be attracted to beauty. Beauty attracts us in the world around us. Beauty attracts us in people around us. There's something in art, in creativity. There's something in beauty. That's the way God created us. And see, what David understood was God was so awesome. There was this, I, I believe, there's this revelation that God wants us to grasp in the fresh way of his beauty and how awesome he is and how holy he is because when you get that it's the most natural thing in the world for you to want to be in his presence right it's like when you fall in love with somebody you don't have to force yourself to hang out with them right like I remember Pastor Sharon and I you know the old days you talk on the phone it's like you hang up no you hang up 
No, you hang up, right? No, you hang up. There's somebody falls. I mean, you didn't want to come off the phone. You were trying to be around them. You're trying to be in. If someone is feeling forced to spend time with somebody, you know the relationship's in trouble. But see, it's because there's something that is attractive in that person that's drawing you this connection. There's a beauty in God, and so often we just get caught up in religion. We're not seeing the beauty, and that's why it's a have to instead of a get to. But God's moving us in this season from have-tos to get-tos if we allow him to do it. So we gaze on his beauty. Verse 8, he said, seek my face. And my heart said, your face, Lord, do I seek. We talked about this last week. Seeking your face is akin in Hebrew to seeking your presence. God is, I love this, seek my face. And then my heart says, your face, I'll seek. You see throughout the scriptures, God actually has this pattern where he calls and he sees who answers. It's like with Moses. Moses saw the burning bush, but the Bible says God didn't speak to him until he turned aside to see what it was. Maybe we're missing what God has because we're so busy and we're not turning aside. Right? Look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 when he's before the throne of God and God says, who will I send? Who will go for us? It's like, Lord, Isaiah's here. When Isaiah said, here am I, send me, that's when they then took the coals and touched his lips. Look at Jesus' disciples. He didn't force anyone to follow him. He gave them all the choice. And we see many who did. We also see those like the rich young ruler who did not. But see, it's this turning aside. In this season, God's saying, will you seek my face? Will we turn aside to do so? Will we be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me? Will we be like the disciples who left their fishing nets and left their boats and followed Jesus? Or will we be like the rich young ruler who went away sad because we had great wealth in ourselves, Or so we thought. I mean, it's interesting. We don't even know the rich young ruler's name. Some people think maybe it was Joseph Arimathea, that some scholars think that, the one who ended up burying Jesus. But you have this choice to answer the call, and yeah, there's always a price to pay, but there's a bigger price to pay when you say no. I mean, maybe he was supposed to write a book. Maybe who knows what he was supposed to do, but instead he just ended up being the rich young ruler who for all eternity is the guy who said no. Well, that's, that's pretty, I, mean, I think he's in heaven because he probably still had Jesus. So, oh, you're the, oh, you. Why did you do that? I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be a little annoying. I don't know about you. It's just like I'm in heaven. Hi, Peter, James, John. Oh, wow, Paul. Who are you? Oh, the rich young ruler. Oh, 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 okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. Right? Think about that. I'm glad you're here. Thought three, wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage, wait on the Lord. You know, I think we're already ministering to this in service today. How many of some areas we need God's strength in? How many of some areas we need courage in? Right? Even we look at the world today, I don't know about you, sometimes we look at the world and just, how do I be faithful to Jesus and all the challenges? It's going to come. I'm going to have his strength. I'm going to have courage from him, but it comes as I wait on him. That's why you can't do Christianity light. You can't do lukewarm, half-hearted ice cream on a warm July day Christianity. You gotta like lock in, know how to wait on God, know how to be in his presence. 
Because anyone can say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, when everything's going great. When you get in a battle, it's who's got to get their shield of faith, their sword of the Spirit, and stand strong. It's those who know how to wait on the Lord. As the scriptures say, if you fail in this day of adversity, how small is your strength? That's even worse for us because our strength is supposed to be in Him. But I think it's great, as Melissa said, we got to stay plugged in. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name I lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, my, your right hand upholds me, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. Verse 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You guys say, O God, you are my God. Who, who's your God today? Now, I mean, I know the answer we're all supposed to say. God, you're my God. But there's this battle, and we've talked about a little bit over the last number of weeks. Pastor Samuel touched on a little bit on who we're going to for comfort. Because it's one thing to say, token, well, this God's my God, but our God is who we're obeying. Our God is who or what we're worshiping. And so in this season, it's, it's making sure, God, you're my God. And how do, we, how do we stay in that place? By earnestly seeking him. And my soul thirsts for you is a dry and weary land where there's no water. Who here's been situated, whether you're in like some arid, whatever, or after a workout, you're just really, really thirsty, right? And it's just like when you're in that place of being really thirsty, that is your focus. I need to get something to drink. I'm sure most of us here, because we live with some affluence, we've never ended up, maybe a couple of us have ended up in a spot where you're like really like in a dire strait of nothing no liquid, nothing to drink. And it dominates everything. There's this, this, this focus. You know, I laugh. It's kind of when you fast, you know, and you start fasting. We're doing fasted Fridays on the Fridays. But, you know, how many of you ever fasted? And, man, like after that first day, you know, especially if you're doing a couple-day fast, you're just thinking about food. I mean, especially when I do longer fasts. I mean, I start meal planning what I'm going to eat when I break my fast. It's like, first meal, I'm going to eat this, and then I'm going to go here, and then I'm going to go there. Anybody ever slept, like, in your night, like, when you slept on a fast, and in your dream, you ate something? <laughs> right? And then you woke back up, you're like, oh, no, I ate something. I broke my fast. Like, oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Right? But it becomes this central focus. Well, that's what God needs to be in our lives. Uh. Your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. It's, again, watch this. It's, I'm going to praise because I've encountered your love. God is not looking for behavior modification where I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to do this, so I guess you just want to do it. He's like, no, I want you to see my beauty. I want you to encounter my love because when you do, you're going to want to be in my presence. You're going to want to be around me. You're going to want to be there. It's not about 
behavior modification. It's about internal transformation that happens in the tra presence of God because we become what we behold. And as we behold him, we are transformed to be more like him. But that's where it is at. You know, verse four, it says, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. You know, I thought this as I was just preparing for this message. And it's a thought, I really had, I don't know if I've ever thought it, I'd seen it quite this way before. I mean, maybe I have, I could have forgotten over the years, but well, how many are thankful for God's blessing in our lives? Amen? Here's the flip side that, I've never, that I hadn't really thought a lot before. How many of us love to bless the Lord? See, we love God blessing us, but here he says, so I will bless you as long as I live. Now I know at first glance that feels almost a little blasphemous. What do you mean? No, God blesses us. We don't bless God. It's not like God's there. Can you bless me? But see, blessing at its essence, the word bless is words that are spoken. Like in Hebraic culture, if a father or a mother would bless their children, they start to declare words of blessing. They talk about, you know, the benediction you'll hear, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, the Lord give you peace. Those were words. It was not just some nice little phrase. They were saying there's blessing in declaration and words. And so there's this heart where, yes, let's be thankful for the blessing of God. Let's, let's dive in. I'm not taking away from that one bit. But will we also be those who bless the Lord? Will we be those who bless his name? And it's what words are we speaking of him? What words are we speaking to him? How are we worshiping him? When we worship him, we're blessing his name. When we're praising him, we're blessing him. Today, what we are doing, see church is not for us. It benefits us, but this is for him. It's for him. We come together to bless his name. We come together to honor him in a world where people disregard him, curse him, ignore him. We're saying, no, we're here to honor you. We're here to lift you up. We're here to bless your name. Will we be those who bless the Lord? Think about it, right? Have you ever thought of that? But there's so many verses. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right? It's what are we saying? What are we declaring? So in your name, I'll lift up my hands. There, there's something about true praise and worship that pushes us. We do it with the right heart. It pushes us into a place of seeking Him. You know, it's interesting, even if you look at, did a study in Hebrew words for praise. Uh, halal is the most common word translated praise. It connotes to shine, to boast, to show forth. That's where we get hallelujah from. Yada. Often translated praise, this word carries a deeper meaning of thanksgiving outstretched in praise. It's, it implies an act of worship with extended hands. See, some of these things we don't just, oh, that's just kind of what you do in church. It's actually biblical ways to bless the Lord. Do you know when you lift your hands with the right heart, you're blessing the Lord? Zamar, the word is translated to make music in praise of God is particularly strong connotation of joyful expressions of music with instruments. You praise God with the instrument. Tehillah, from the word halal. Tehillah means high praise, the form of singing a hymn of laudation to God. It's high praise to him. Barak, although it's often translated, watch this, as blessed, the word also means to kneel, implying a physical act of adoration and respect. It's a sense of blessing God through adoration. We bless God through adoration of him. Shabak means to praise, commend, or boast. It suggests loud adoration or shouts of praise to God. 
This is cool today. If you see what was happening in church, there was, there was Zamar. The team was praising God on the instruments. There was halal, people praising God with their words. We see yada, which was outstretched hands to God. There was barak, where people are kneeling. There was shabak, where there were shouts to God. Oh, these people are so noisy. Why do they shout so much? That's actually a biblical way to bless the Lord. Toda, which means thanksgiving and implies confession and thanksgiving. And mahalal, which again is root halal and is often translated praise, it represents a celebration of thankfulness and joy. That's why we want joy, because our joy blesses the Lord. One last Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are on the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. <coughs> Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look at the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And if the worship team want to come back and join me, just a couple thoughts out of this verse. I love verse 4 and 5. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. <coughs> and we see this again. The dwelling in his house is presence. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are on the highways to Zion. Guys, today are your hearts on the highway to Zion. Let your heart be on the high. What's this talking about? Well, Zion was Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was where the temple was and where the presence of God was. And as part of the Jewish calendar, there were three feasts throughout the year where every man and his family would come to Jerusalem. They'd make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to come before the presence of God. And in the day that we're in now, God is not located. His presence is not one specific place. But he said, or two or three of you are gathered, I am there in your midst. It's one of the amazing realities we have. But there's still this heart that says, my heart is on the highway to Zion. Not even just my feet, but my heart. Wherever I am, whatever going on, my heart is for the presence. My heart is for him. My heart is to know him. My heart is to walk with him. My heart is on the highway to Zion. And family, this season is about our hearts being adjusted and shifted and getting our hearts on the highway to Zion. That we're thankful for God's blessing in our lives, but our heart is to bless the Lord. We're thankful for all that God gives to us, but our heart is what can we give to you? I want to bring a sacrifice of praise. I want to bring my worship to you. I want to bring all that I have to you. It's not just about what you do for me. That's, that's there. You're always going to do that. But I want to be the one who blesses the Lord. I want to be the one who honors the Lord. I want to be the one who has my heart on the highway to Zion. Come on, someone say heart on the highway. Is your heart on the highway in this season? Let God put our hearts on the highway. The last thought here, verse 6, and they go through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. What's the valley of Baca? 
Well, scholars aren't sure if it's a physical place or more a figure of speech, but this is what it means, the valley of weeping. And it says, when you have your heart on the highway to Zion, when you have your heart in the presence of God, even when you go through valleys of weeping, because guys, we all go through valleys of weeping. We all go through difficult times. We all go through challenges. Some of you listening to me today are in the valley of Bacah right now. You're in the valley of weeping. Maybe you've cried so much you don't know if you can cry anymore. But God says when your heart is for my presence, when your heart is on the highway to Zion, even when you go through a valley of weeping, because of my presence in your life, it is transformed into a place of springs and the early rain covers it with pools. In other words, even in the hard times, even in the difficulties, because you know how to go into the presence, because you know how to be with him and how to see Seek him and how to wait on the Lord to him renew your strength. Then he even takes those hard valleys and he says, I'm going to rain on you and I'm going to fill my presence. And not only that for you, but how about somebody else who's in a valley of weeping? But because of the presence of God in your life, you can transform that valley for them as well. But see, it's all from those whose hearts are on the highway to Zion. And so let's bow our head and close our eyes as we bring this to a close. I just want a real simple response to the Lord today. If you would say, God, I want to have my heart on the highway to Zion. Maybe for some of you are saying, you know, I'm in a valley of weeping right now. But Lord, I need your presence to turn it into a place filled with springs and your rain to fill with pools. And it's a broad call. But if that's your heart, be on the highway. Or if that's your heart saying, God, I'm in the valley but I, I trust you. That's what Pastor Sharon was talking about. It's faith in God. It's not a passive waiting like, well, we'll see if something happens. No, it's a, it's a faith that says, I'm waiting on you because I know you're going to be here. I'm waiting on you because I know you're coming through. I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock forever and ever, all my days, I will love you, Lord. Why? Because that's somebody, that song comes from a place of someone who knows how to get on the highway and knows how to go to Zion and has been through some valleys of Baca, but has seen God bring the springs up in the valley. And once he's done it for you before in your life, the next time you're in a valley, you know I serve a God who can bring a spring in this valley. I serve a God who can bring transformation. He did it before, he'll do it again. But the answer is not in my knowledge or my ability or my strength. The answer is found on the highway to Zion. It's found in his presence. Will we be people of his presence? Will we be people whose heart is on the highway? And so if that's your heart, I just invite you just simply, let's stand before the Lord today. If your heart is saying, God, I want to have a heart on the highway. I want my heart beyond. Maybe you're in a valley of Bacar right now. And you're actually, let's do this. Let's all stand if your heart's for to be on the highway. But if you're in a valley of weeping right now, I want you to be bold. I want you just to come out to the front because I believe we're just going to pray over you. If you're in a valley of weeping. There's just some hard things in your life right now. I believe the Lord wants to do something even very significant. So just come out from where you are. Come forward. Don't be shy about it. This is not a place to kind of, well, I don't want to look a certain way. Come, just come together. But let's just stand before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, we pray first and foremost for the heart of
for the highway to Zion. God, I pray that you are stirring us this heart for the highway. Stir a heart for the highway in each one of us in Jesus' name. God, even in this season, that'll be a heart for the highway to Zion, a heart for your presence, a heart that says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. God, a heart that says my heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. God, a heart that says as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. God, a heart that says that, stir that in us in Jesus' name. But God, we also pray for those who've come forward, God, who've been honest and said, I'm in a valley of weeping right now. God, I thank you for streams in the wilderness and springs in the desert. I thank you for your presence just filling and overflowing them even right now. God, your strength that is with them. I take authority over the lies of the devil, the attacks of the devil that say God won't come through, that say you're finished, that say you're never, we break that off of their lives right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for springs in the desert in Jesus' name. Springs in the desert in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Much just take a few more moments before the Lord before we shift gears. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day. Let's make this our prayer today. Some of you know where it came from now.
declaration today. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Listen to this. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. 
until they had no more power to weep. The Valley of Baca. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this truth? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover the evening of the next day not a man of them escaped so except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled so David recovered all that the Amal Amalekites had carried away David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great sons or daughters spoil or anything which they had taken from them Somebody join me in saying, recover all. Come on, let's say that again. Recover all. One more time. Recover all. Amen, amen, amen. So, Father, we just seal this. We thank you for this. Thank you that you are calling us to be that people of your presence, people of prayer, people of praise. And, God, even when we go through valleys of Baca, you turn it into places of springs and the rain fills it with pools in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this, Lord. And everyone agreed, said. 
Amen. If you just want to find your seat really quickly because of the flow today, we totally didn't mention any of our announcements. So I just want to say something really quick and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, just a reminder, number one, plan to protect. Refresher is happening. It'll now be 145 start because it's about 127. So about that. Pastor Sam will be leading the Plan to Protect Refresher. Now, this is not for people who want to start volunteering. You have to take the full Plan to Protect course. We just want to make that clear because it got a little confusing. This is for people who have already been uh, certified with Plan to Protect, and every year we need to do a refresher. So if you didn't do last week and you didn't do this week, you didn't sign for this week, you can still come and join in because you do need to do a refresher. It's important for us to be good stewards. Uh, also, School the Spirit Level 1 is going to start 145 as well, and it's going to be in the classroom, the, the large uh, e, e and F classroom in the back area, so you can go. Pastor Sharon will be leading that. We want to say thank you to all our guests who joined us today. Uh, we're so glad you're here. You could have been a lot of places you chose to be with us. That means a lot to us. When you leave today, if you go out those doors, turn to your left, there's a connect table. We have a team member who'd love to get, meet you and a special gift we'd love to give you. Something just small, no strings attached, but something from us to say thank you for joining us. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful. A couple other things to remind you. School of Prayer, it's a virtual class. You get the video at the start of each week. You watch the teaching, it's going to help you grow in prayer. There's some prayer labs where you can put into practice. That is starting next Sunday. Uh, really Monday, Tuesday is when we're going to release the videos, so you want to sign up for that. Limitless Student Ministries are going to change conference all our grades 6 to 12. It's going to be at Queensway Cathedral, over a thousand young people, amazing music, and some really good speakers, including our very own Pastor Sharon, is going to be speaking at Change Conference. Parents, you want to sign your youth up by Tuesday. So that's the deadline to register and to sign up. And just do that. And if there's a challenge on the financial front, because there's, you know, conferences that cost, let us know. We don't want your student to miss out. So just let us know. We'd love to help you if that is a challenge for you as a family. Two other things I want to mention, we've talked about things we're starting. We are going to be starting something called, or restarting some way, something called the Next Steps class. This is kind of an introduction to TCC, an introduction to who we are, how you can get more involved. It's going to start running weekly at 11 a.m. So we're doing it in between services so people from both services can easily participate. And so the first one's going to start next week. We'll put out an email about it where you can register online. It's going to be a limited number, but this is just kind of the first step to learning more about how you can plug in and get involved in TCC. And uh, it's just a kind of a good initial course to get started getting more plugged into church. So we encourage you that. And we're also rebooting, reemphasizing church membership. So there's going to be an email going out this week on our email list inviting you. I know many of us, we're a member in our heart, and that's the most important thing. But also, just there's some things we're going to be structuring for. We just feel like we want to put a little bit more emphasis on, you know, taking ownership of the church and taking ownership of what God's doing here, and you know God's called you here. So we just want to mention that to you. There'll be a lot more questions, uh, answers on that. But other than that, we are finished. Thank you, guys. This is a wonderful service. So thankful for all that God did. And so we do want to ask if we could exit a little quicker than usual today, just so plan to protect. Plan to protect students, you want to go use the bathroom or anything, come back and we do have a few snacks for you. So, and don't stay for the snacks and then leave afterwards. That's not very honest. So we have some snacks if you are part of the plan to protect refresher. If you're part of school of prayer, give a few moments for kids ministry to kind of clear out and you can make your way back. If you're not sure to go, just ask somebody just it really it's literally like right behind here and so it's just you kind of go back through those doors some people have just never been in that part of the building before so we love you god bless you 
Let's be thankful we're recovering all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're seeking God. We're saying what better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. We're on the highway to Zion. Amen. Our hearts are on the highway. Come on. Somebody say, my heart's on the highway. Sounds a little bit like an old Brian Adams song. But anyways, talk to you guys later. Love you. Have a great Sunday.